Welcome to the ExoDexa podcast. I'm Dr. Leah Haynes. I am here with Nolan Bushnell. And today it's kind of exciting what we're talking about today because Nolan and I have a book coming out on October 17th. And uh, Nolan, you started it. Let's let's talk about like what made you decide to write about education. I feel like whenever you want to change things, you kind of have to have a roadmap and you want to communicate your vision. And what I wanted to do was create sort of this cross between a roadmap, a manifesto, and a promise of a world that I was envisioning. And so, unlike a lot of business books where it's kind of dry, I put in a lot of little anecdotes about made-up people from their point of view, from the students, from the teachers, to the administrators, to, you know, what have you. And in my idea, I felt that one of the things that high school kids should have a feeling for is entrepreneurship. The gig economy is real, and I think that that represents an interesting creative as well as financial outcome that many times leads to a life outcome that is significantly better than graduating from college, you know? And so I, I kind of wanted to highlight that a little bit. And so that was, that was kind of where I came from. And then you're being interested, all of a sudden, instead of a, a flurry of opinions, you put some rigor behind it. So all of a sudden, it's actually, it's now a responsible book, not just a, a dreamy pie in the sky thing. <laughs> Well, what you uh, started us off with was, I thought, very insightful and um, and an interesting base to start from, because it it's not that we're the first two people to say education's not working. It's not working for the majority of kids. It's working for some. Others can struggle through and be okay, but for for the majority of kids, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's not going to lead to lifelong learning because if we make the first eight to 12 years difficult, uncomfortable, um, and frustrating, then we can't expect them to stay lifelong learners. So I felt like the book was a real opportunity to kind of highlight what we could look at as problematic and offer some positive possibilities. Now, some people are not going to like our book at all, Nolan. <laughs> some people are going to be threatened by it the way they're threatened by AI. Right. And you know what? I actually, if, we, if you don't piss a lot of people off, you're not really trying. That's the way I look at it. I mean, if you don't, I can, I can remember back 
talking with Steve Jobs. He used to ride his motorcycle up on a Sunday morning and we'd go out and drink tea and I'd have coffee. And, and he asked me one time, he says, you know, what if you're in a room and everybody in the room thinks you're wrong, but you think you are right and have thought more deeply about it than anybody in the room? I said, oh, you always follow your own passion, you know, you know, particularly if it's innovative. Everybody likes to shoot down innovation. It's just the nature of the world. Uh, but if you want to make an impact, just go full speed ahead. Because even if you are only a little bit right, by pursuing it, you start to see things and you can change on the fly. And that's how innovation happens. That's how, you know, strange things. I mean, when I started Chuck E. Cheese, everybody thought that I was loco. You know, <laughs> ten a pizza parlor 10 times bigger than any other that had a game room and talking robotic animals. You know, <laughs> who thought... Who, who would have thought that was a good idea? <laughs> right. And isn't a rat your most mascot or a mouse? Exactly. That... You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm okay with people not liking it. I, I, I feel very good about the fact that we have provoked a conversation and yeah. the conversation is around what's working and what's not working and who, who is the priority in this? Are we trying to make this make our education system the best system it could be for the administrators and 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 for teachers or for students? And I think it needs to be students first, teachers second, administrators third. And or last. <laughs> if we are doing that, if we're thinking that way, then it's really um you know, we have a real opportunity to make a difference. And I, I completely agree with you about the entrepreneurial nature of, of uh, kids and, you know, their ideas and helping to nurture that. And, and we do talk about that in the book. Like if, if, if students are working at their own pace, the students who are ahead of what we need them to be at have extra time. Why not let them start their own little entrepreneurial venture while they're still students, when the risk is low, when the dollar risk is low. And even, you know, I think in, in the system, because, you know, you, you actually lay out a pretty impressive blueprint for how to do the school the way that, that we talk about in the book. And, and why not have a budget for entrepreneurial ventures and, and as a student-run um, venture capital where the kids can come and pitch their ideas to the other students and have the decision about how the money is going to be spent made by the group. So you have to have a compelling argument if, if you want to raise money from the, in, and all of those, like school really should be seen as our, the, the place we have the children to prepare them for adulthood. Exactly. Yes, you know, the specifics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yes, those are important. What is the big picture value of education? So, because we yeah, lose that. 
And, and, you know, the world is changing. And so I think the question is, what do kids need to know? You know, and, and I don't think that question is asked and answered properly because, you know, when, when the calculator became ubiquitous, you know, I mean, I think I, I saw a calculator for three bucks the other day, you know, say, so do you really need to spend a year drilling on multiplication and division? I mean, do, do kids need to know times tables right now? I mean, that was a big deal when I was in school, but yeah. not sure it's necessary anymore. So what do we do that time for? Um, and I think that a lot of stuff that used to be important to know can be substituted by Google right now. I mean, map reading, I think uh, one of the things that is atrophied in a lot of people is, is reading a map. Like right. I, you know, Google Maps is so much easier. <laughs> Right. It'll get us where we need to go uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up a really interesting point because it is, you know, part of the problem is that we are still using all of the same approach to education that we were using when, when public education was first uh, established. We, we, and we really do need to, I mean, we've added things as the world has become more complicated but we haven't thought about what can we take out? What can yeah. we, what can, what do we need to um, focus on? And I think the social emotional learning is probably the most important thing right now to be focused on because the anger that exists in our culture and the divisiveness that exists in our culture, that's, you know, debate teams should be not a, a specialized thing that you can opt into, but a, a mainstay of your education because the debate team requires that you look at things from alternate perspectives. So it, well, you know, you just said a mouthful there, Leah, cause I was on the debate team in high school and I can remember being actually amazed at how plastic my brain was mm. in preparing the po positive. Cause you know, initially when you, read the proposition, you, you, you get a bias towards it. But then you have to prepare one on the negative side. And all of a sudden, oh, they have a point. <laughs> and I, I think that's really, really, really valuable. I agree. There's so much more in the middle where yeah. interests intersect that can help us propel things forward. I mean, just the the stalemate that has, that it now exists in our politics would maybe be ben would be uh, helped by individuals who were able to do both sides of an argument, yeah. and and that's something that we've lost in the last couple of generations. And maybe uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago there were debates on the house floor, but people still went out for drinks together. Yeah. And what can we be doing in the early years in education to build that, to try and, and bridge this anger that exists uh, about one side and another. And I'm, I think that 
individualized learning and taking the the uh, competition out of where we are in our education along the along the way would would be a good start. Well, like I like we said at the end of their book, that this is our manifesto. That if you agree with us, great. If you disagree with us, we want to hear from you because we want to seek the truth and we want to build a better world. And all people of, of good fellowship who want to make a better world, you're on our team, positive, negative, what have you. And so I want to leave you with this kind of final idea. I want you all to go out and buy 10 or 20 books and give them to your friends. <laughs> that's, that's my only ask. And that means that you are part of this band of brothers. You know, every once in a while, and this, this is kind of funny, but I love to reread the St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V, uh, from, from Shakespeare's, in which he talks about the band of brothers and going in to fight, you know, with odds against us. And that's kind of what we're doing with the educational establishment right now. We want you to all become part of the band of brothers and sisters, and uh, we can make the world a better place. But also, reread St. Christmas Day speech. It's a good one. Excellent. Thank you, Nolan. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>